You are listening to the Red Roots Podcast. Good morning, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's kind of weird doing Sam's headphones today. Why is that? Uh, I don't know, because I feel freer. I feel like I can talk better. It, it feels like we're not even recording now that I don't have those on. <laughs> I, um, I thought maybe something happened to them. No, no, they're in there. I just, I don't know. I don't really like wearing them because, I don't know, it's just a bulky thing on your head or whatever, like, you know. So, anyway, so Rudy's wearing the headphones today. Every- and you don't have your ipad either oh yeah it's just like a whole new podcast i don't need my notes today (laughs) (laughs) so uh, i always always bring out my ipad i almost say anytime i'm gonna do something i take my ipad with me because typically i have notes on something and i used to have notes for the podcast but then like the last six months or whatever like i would just bring it and open it and it like wouldn't even have anything on it and one day i was like what and you would scroll too. <laughs> like, yeah, like why am I? Unlock it with the password. Oh yeah, no, it would just sit on the. It would just sit on the like on the home screen. And I'm like, when I was like, why do I bring my iPad out? Like I don't use notes for this. And so, yeah, I'm Sans iPad, Sans drink, Sans headphones. It's a new season. It's it, a new day. I knew you were gonna say that. Hey, I, you fell right into the trap. <laughs> so anyway, everybody good? <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. Thank you. So. Uh, my doctor prescribed some re- muscle relaxers to me for me because I've been having like these headaches and I took my last one last night and I'm so tired right now, <laughs> but I went to bed late too. And so I, I almost didn't make it. Yeah. She, she had a really bad headache a few days ago and he prescribed her these like muscle relaxers. Like she took the muscle relaxer. I don't know what time it was at like, it had to be eight. I don't know, something like that. Yeah, pretty early, yeah. Slept for like four days. Like, <laughs> woke up, like took it on Monday, woke up, it was Thursday afternoon. Oh, good morning. Like, it was weird. Check your pulse. Nah, I mean, she sl- you slept for over 12 hours, well yeah. over 12 hours. It was weird, like a zombie kind of experience. But I woke up like, like so excited for a new day. It's <laughs> a new person. Drug addict, that's what you are. Good grief. Good thing. That's why, only, that's, why, that's why they only give you like four or whatever they give you, you know, so you don't like. But here, I mean, we could have said like, give me 10 and they would have given it to you. True. But I mean, well, I mean, that, so the way they do medicine here, as I mean, you guys know, I'm talking more to the listener is, I mean, it's, it's basically a big trust system, right? Like everything, everything is based I don't care. On, probably both. <laughs> but everything's ba- based on like. They trust you. So you get like this. It's sometimes it's literally just a piece of paper and the doctor writes the uh, prescription on it and you take it. And like most of the time, they don't even look at it. Like, but other times, like the doctor, like we have a doctor that works here and he's the, I mean, he's our friend too. So he usually does all the, like our prescriptions and stuff like that when we have whatever. And so we'll take it and like, you don't have to show it to them. Like you just tell them and they just yeah. give it to you. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, how many you need or how many did he say you need? If I was a drug addict, I could be like, he said 54. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, he said. Yeah, because um, he sent me my prescription through um, text message and through WhatsApp. And so you yeah. didn't ha- even have to show the pharmacist anything. But, and, and medicine is way cheaper here. Obviously, if you're in the, in the UK as well, if you're in the UK or the United States, medicine is a lot more expensive. Mm. And you're paying, so we don't have to. 
that's literally the you know the way it works because they know the income is is lower in places like this, so they raise the prices in first world places so that they can lower it in third world places and still sell, and it kind of works for everybody. But equally, even though it's cheaper and there's the access is way easier, people typically don't have drug problems here, yeah. like with being addicted to pain pills and stuff like that. Uh, if they have drug problems, it's like a different thing. Like it's not. Like in the states, you know, a lot of people like get addicted to uh, painkillers and or, or you know, I don't know what just all, all the different prescription drugs and stuff. But you don't really have that much here. Here, but, for some reason, it's glue. I mean, not here in in Trinidad, but oh, yeah. like in Cochabamba and the bigger it's cheap. cities. Cheap. Oh, okay. It's really cheap. And I, like, I, if you became a drug dealer selling prescription pe- pills here, I think you would die of hunger. Like, I, I just don't. I, yeah. I don't know. Why, why would I buy from you? I can just go to the pharmacy, pharmacy and buy yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I did my, I hurt my ankle a while back and I was like, I was just going to live off paracetamol. I was like, oh, that would do. Um, and Ruben was like, no, no, we can get stronger drugs. So we went, yeah. went, to the, went to the pharmacy. I couldn't even pronounce like, the drug that I was trying to get. And so I was like saying it and I was saying it all wrong. And the guy behind the, the till was just like listing off different drugs that, that it could be possible that I was asking for that kind of sounded similar to what I was asking for. I could have just said yes to any of them. Yeah. And just got it. I, I would have had no idea what it is or, or how it works or anything. But, uh, and but it got, worked. I got Rudy to come in and explain to him what I needed. And then they give it to you, but no like... So normally like you get it in, in the UK, mm. you'll get it in a box and it tells With you how to use it, yeah. you know, how many times a day you take it, how many hours you need to leave it, don't mix medicines. Here they just give you the pills. It's like, <laughs> it's how often like, do I take this? Uh, three to eight hours. Uh, whatever. Don't pull it out the box and like cut around so that yeah, you yeah. can just give you two if you ask for two. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. It, no, it's like, you don't, you, like, I, I guess, I, well, supposedly I think there is a, you ha- there are some that technically you need a prescription for. But I think because that they don't like that doesn't exist here, so people don't have that mentality of like, oh, what's he want more? What's he gonna do? Sell them? Like, why would he sell them? Like anybody, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't that just doesn't exist here, and so you can pretty much get whatever you want, even at like the more professional pharmacies, because that's the thing too, isn't it? Right? Like a lot of the pharmacies are like, it's I mean it's like somebody's grandma, like who's a pharmacist probably. I don't know what the process is like of opening a pharmacy, but she, it's kind of like in her house, like she has a store in the bottom and you, I mean, you just kind of, it's not much control. She's going to mm-hmm. sell whatever she wants to sell, you know, but then mm-hmm. the more like the chain ones are a little more professional and stuff. Yeah. But equally, like there's been several times like I've gone in and I've literally shown the prescription because I can't pronounce it on notes on my phone. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I get and like, it's like a prescription, like, you know, something that, and I, so I don't know what's what, but it doesn't really matter. Like, do you want 200 milligrams or 800 milligrams? <laughs> yeah. Like, no, it's yeah. The weirdest thing for, the funny and weirdest thing for me was um, that the doctor actually prescribed uh, me a muscle relaxer in the form of like a, in, in, like a shot. Yeah, yeah. I had to shoot it into my thigh, into my leg, and um uh, I couldn't find a nurse to come to the house to do it. It was a holiday, and so the, the hospital was closed. And so I finally told my neighbor, Ruth, you know, I was like, hey, you know someone that could inject this for, into me? <laughs> I don't know how to say it in English. Give me a shot. Give me a shot, yeah. <laughs> and she said, I can do it. <laughs> so I was at her house, laying in her bed, and she, my girls were there watching and just watched me get a shot from my neighbor who <laughs> is not a doctor. Well, she's a dentist, though. So she, I mean, well, she has yeah. some type of, she's giving people shots before. 
So it's not like Never she's a gardener. That, yeah. He's like, hey, like, you know, can, not that gardeners <laughs> are less than. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Not that gardeners are less than. They just don't have medical experience on a typical, but you know. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, she does have some type of, you know. Uh, so here when you do that, you typically have to go buy, you buy the actual. Syringe. The, oh, yeah. But um, oh. Well, you buy the, the medicine in the little glass thing hmm. and you buy the syringe as well. So the girls went with me to buy it. And they're looking like, they saw me buy the syringe. It's like, oh, I'm going to give mommy a shot. It's like, y'all want me to give mommy a shot? No. <laughs> like, why not? It's going to make her feel better. You want her to feel better? Like, like these trap questions. They're like, yeah. It's like, oh, I can give her a shot. And you could tell they just couldn't figure out if I was playing. I mean, because I bought it. So, like, they had this look on their face like he's playing, but equally, I bought this syringe and I'm taking it home. So, man, he's like, taking <laughs> joke a long way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They were so concerned for me. They're yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, do you want to give her a shot? No, we don't know how. They speak like in as a as a as a singular, even though they're a plural. <laughs> we, I mean, it's as a plural, but it's like one speaking for both all the time. Mm-hmm. We don't know how. We don't like this. We don't whatever. And so, it's always an adventure. Like the whole the whole medicine thing is is an absolute adventure. It, in, I, but I, I think on the, if you're in the United States listening to this, then you'll be like, oh boy, that's terrible. But it's not terrible. I, I mean. Mm. People just don't, it's not a thing. Like, people don't, and I'm wondering, what you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. What is the key to that not being a problem? You know what I mean? Is like, is the restriction, is that what makes a problem? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying it, because I have no idea. I'm just wondering, you know, because that's not a problem here. I mean, they, that, that's the that's the point people try to use as far as legalizing marijuana and yeah. you know what um and and guns you know mm-hmm. people are going to use it and abuse it if they want to um, well, yeah so you may as well give access to it yeah yeah mm-hmm. I don't know I mean I do know it's not it's not really but dr- drugs in general here are not a huge pro- like it's just not there's a group of people I mean they live. In our in the next neighborhood over, pretty much. But, but I mean, I'm sure there's some spots of like young kids that get on drugs. But like in general, it's not. It's just not an issue. Yeah. People it's are just not. A, it's like a whole different group set of of st- struggle and issues because you don't see it. Typically, you don't hear a lot about people murdering other people either. You know, in the city yeah. I grew up, it's like they surpassed the murder rates from 2020 already, and it's already it's only January. Um, so it's like. Wait. Oh, well, they're in quarantine, too, but not for the whole year. That's what I read in, in, in some news. I can't remember where. Oh, uh, yeah. I could be wrong. They could be wrong. Maybe the murder for January of 2020, you know Probably. what I mean, is already off to a higher start or whatever. That makes sense. Because, yeah. I mean, they used to do a lot of... A lot of killing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like here, you don't, you don't really see someone say, oh, so-and-so killed so-and-so, unless it was a motorcycle accident, you know? Um, so it, that 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 was always interesting to me too, mm. because the most I've ever worried about was getting robbed, you know, and, and not even for my for my physical well being, but just because yeah. you don't want your stuff to get taken. Yeah. You know? well, what would you say? And I mean, in your time here, two years, you've been here two years, so that's you know you get a. What would you say is the biggest problem in Trinidad specifically? Because I'm not Santa Cruz. It, the thing is, for the size too, I'll yeah. say this for first is like. Because like in Philadelphia, I don't know how many millions of people there are, but there's a lot more than there are in Trinidad. So there's going to be a lot more murders and stuff like that. It's not justifying it, but it, more people creates more aggressiveness as well. And then obviously there's more of a chance of a murder happening, but equally people jammed in creates more aggressiveness and stuff like that. Yeah. So 
those two things together, just the, the sheer amount of people, but equally like people jammed in together is going to create an environment, a more aggressive environment for mm. more. Like, so Santa Cruz is like that. Mm. Santa Cruz is not as uh, bad as some like more. It's, the irony is the more quote unquote advanced we get, the more murders and stuff that you have. But um, as what we would say, more advanced cities, uh, Philadelphia is the New York, Chicago, so on and so forth. Uh, like those, though, even like it's not like those type of cities, but it is way Santa Cruz is way like just different than here. It's I'm, a different you, world. Huh? It's just it's like a different country. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, I, you could say worse. I mean, it's better obviously in some aspects, but I'm just in the crime aspect. Mm. I think it's there's a lot more crime in Santa Cruz. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah same kind of thing. But anyways, so here, what would you say? We have about 130,000 people for people listening who maybe are curious. About 130,000 people live in Trinidad. Even though when we talk about it, it feels like a village. There's 130,000 people live here. It's mm-hmm. a bona fide city, you know. Um, yeah. So what would you, what do you, in your opinion, what do you think the biggest problem? Yeah, I think. Here is? I think a big part of it is the things that you can't see, in the sense of like domestic violence, mm. um, issues at home, the. So yeah, the the thing, the things that aren't visible to the when you're walking around, because as you're saying, you 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 walk around Trinidad now, or you travel around Trinidad, you won't see. I think I mean there's one or two guys that you might see around that you know are definitely homeless. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know exactly. Who you're t- like yeah, I know yeah. who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and most people would if you say, "Oh, do you know the homeless guy in Trinidad?" Most people would have the same image of who that person is. Um, Again, you don't see that many drunk people around. Occasionally, maybe before quarantine, maybe on a Sunday morning, you might see a few people that definitely look hungover or just crawling back from the pub. Um, again, you don't see many people on drugs. Like even things like smoking, really rare to see people smoking. Yeah. Um, and so, like visibly, visibly, I can't that word. Visibly, visibly, visibly. That's the one. What are you trying to say? Visibly, visibly. You visibly. can't say visibly. <laughs> Visibly, you don't. Yeah, you don't see that many problems. But I think the biggest problems are are the ones that you don't see: the yeah. domestic violence, the issues in people's homes, the abuse. Um, yeah, the the things that happen behind closed doors. Yeah, for sure. Like, um, if you if you have done any reading on any kind of trauma symptoms of vi- victim victim symptoms you know of rape or abuse you you can identify that in a lot of people you know even even emotional abuse and um you can tell in the way people act and Mm -hmm. you know there's a girl in our church who who acts or used to act super duper weird around men you know um and we found out just by getting to know her you know that she was she was raped and and then it just blew my mind how common that is here Mm. And I don't know if it's just that common around the world because I, I've heard That's people the thing, right? in the United States say, you know, women in the United States say, I would love to live a day with, um, in my country walking around the street at night without the fear of getting raped. Um, and so, so that, that fear exists, you know, I guess worldwide, but, but here it's just like, it's so quiet. No one is, just recently people have started speaking out mm. against it, you know, and and um, the president last year um, had mentioned, you know, that quarantine is um, um, that she was. What's her thoughts and prayers were for people who are in quarantine with with their abusers mm. because she knows that that this could be a really difficult time for those people. And so it's just, yeah, I would agree that those unseen 
unseen crimes are, are probably ran, running rampant in these places because also you have you have big families that live in small homes yeah. you know they mm -hmm. the father oh, yeah. is sharing a room with his teenage girl or the uncle is living with them too mm -hmm. yeah so that yeah. that that kind of has a part in it too yeah i mean i think yeah and i think those are, it it's it, it's weird because i think you could go but I, we're probably always wrong right you can go to chicago and you could say that the biggest issue is in certain parts is murder and other parts you could say uh the biggest issue is a love of money i don't know whatever but i think the, we're probably wrong in all that those are the biggest results of the issue but there's it, in your you had a good point like i don't know it's based on what you said too i don't i it makes me wonder because living here with that intention of like, okay, how can we be a better light here? How can we, you know, share the gospel? Um, Jolie is sending me messages asking me, where is daddy? Am I not daddy? Like, <laughs> are you talking in third person? But anyways, like, you know, from from here, like, we're here looking at that, but I, I kind of wonder how much this has in common with other places. Like, you know, here, drunkenness is is a, is a big problem. Um, and a lot of times it's at home and stuff. Mm -hmm. But if you go out late at night, like we used to go fishing regularly and we would go fishing. So we would head out 10 something a night to, you know, we'd fish at night. And, um, I mean, you would regularly see drunk guys driving on motorcycles, crashing into the median. I mean, like, not like buzzed, but like, I mean, drunk, like who let him close to his motorcycle? Like literally crashing into stuff like mm -hmm. several times that like, it's not like one time we saw like several times we've seen this. And so, um. It's 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 obvious here, but I wonder like how much of a problem that is everywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like then we just don't maybe notice it or don't see it or whatever. But that leads to the other. Uh, there's other issues too. It's trauma. I mean, really, at the end of the day, it's like all these traumas of these acts that are perpetuated and become like uh, what's generational cycles. I don't know if that's a term, but like I'm just it is today. Um, but just become like these cycles of that. Yeah, right. Like you sleep in the bed with your uncle, you know what I mean? And like you're, stuff that shouldn't be weird, but turns weird because, but your uncle was equally molested by his father. And you know, it's just like, it turns into this into like almost to where these traumatic situations are normalized. Hmm. And like, even like there's studies even as well that say that, uh, that some of these traumas, uh, can be, um, what is it called when you pass it down to hereditary? Like you can inherit traumas or whatever, something like that, which I don't know if it's in your DNA, but the people who went through these traumas, if they don't confront it, they're living it out. And so they're fleshing out whatever the results of, of that trauma within you as a child, yeah. you know, and so you grow up and again, the cycle repeats. And that shows the deep need for the gospel uh, here to like to show people that rescue is here. Like you have, there is an out, there is freedom. Yes, it is awful. And we're not just going to say, well, just love him and forgive him anyway. No, we don't do that. And I, we're, we're very blunt about that in our church as we have zero tolerance for those types of things. However, like our God is much bigger than anything that has happened to us. And the plans that he has in the future for us are so much bigger and deeper, wider than anything that has happened before. And I mean, shoot, Red Roots. That's what Red Roots is about. We were just talking yesterday about Red Roots being a statement. It's about like everything that has happened to me. The good, the bad, the ugly, the parts that are hidden or whatever. It's all covered by the blood of Jesus and redeemed for his glory. And it produces something beautiful and bears beautiful fruit. Like that's what, you know... 
red roots and so like that but that is the that's the heart of our ministry as well which just having this conversation it wasn't that I was doubting but just reaffirms and reconfirms again and again and again like us being in the right place at the right time because those are deep issues that you see here yeah like the alcoholism the abuse the negligence too right Mm -hmm. like the, all these stuff, the, the things that happen in the home, like become, are the biggest. And because I don't know if it's because it's more of a family-centered society or culture that we live in. I don't, I don't know what the you know reason or whatever is, but it. The, you see the effects much more clearly in everyday life, and and you work with kids, mm. so I mean on both on both uh, in the church, but equally in with the football program, and you see the effects of. Just crappy parenting. Like, there's just no other way to say, you know, um, I'm sure there's another way to say it, but that's what I could think of. <laughs> but just bad parenting and poor yeah. parenting and stuff like that. Just you see the immediate instance again. Or, yeah, lack of parenting because a, yeah. a lot of kids are just thrown to their grandparents and their grandparents don't, you know, they want to be a grandparent. They're not trying to, you know, raise and discipline. They just, they're yeah. trying to provide for their grandchild while their yeah. child is off in a different country working or studying, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's like something you kind of have to adapt to when working with kids as well. Like in the UK, normally you would be like, if you, give some, if you give a kid a piece of paper that they need to give to their parent or whatever, you normally would say, okay, make sure you give this to your mum or your dad. Whereas here you're kind of like, okay, make sure you give this to your mum, your dad, your uncle, your brother, auntie, your cousin, brother, brother, neighbor, <laughs> yeah, anyone. Someone. And it's that like, guy over there, just give it to him. Like, you know. Yeah. One thing I, um, I, I think it was really, really important and I love that you addressed this in our church is that um is is normalizing speaking out against these uh these issues like it's so it's so taboo it's so quiet it, it happens in the family so it stays in the family and so like um a woman will get beat by her husband you know and and, and they'll come to church and it's like why aren't you talking about this like why aren't you talking about your struggle with anger and your your need for power and your I don't know why you want to hit your wife? Why aren't you ta- why aren't you telling us that you're being abused by your husband? You know, or why aren't you you know doing something? You know, and and, and equally like you hear your neighbors um, fighting all the time and you don't speak out, you don't call the police. You know, like normalizing that this is not okay. Um, like the woman's running out in the street. Like all the time, crying with bruises all over her face, and like he's like, and Christians just go in and pray. Like, come on, guys, or don't even they just mind their business. Yeah, or that. I mean, but like, I'm just trying to be nice in, in the meanest way possible. Um, but like, prayer is great, but like, call the cops. Hmm. Like, why? Like, but people don't want to get involved and whatever. But like, yeah. man, this is what we're called to. Is this is like justice and righteousness? This is not okay. But like that goes to a deeper, deeper even a cultural issue is that the cops won't come. No. <laughs> like, no or they'll yeah. come super but, but, late. But, but I mean, or, you, it's something. Yeah. You can't just say, you can't live like yeah. that. Yeah. I remember there was a, a few years ago when I was in Santa Cruz, uh, I worked for or volunteered for a, a human rights charity called mm-hmm. Pazzi Esperanza. They, they still go. Really, really good charity. They work in Santa Cruz. Um, and they work on the issue of um, domestic abuse. Mm. Uh, and while they were there, uh, we had like... Um, our main role was that, so the Bolivian government refused to believe that Bolivia had a problem with domestic violence. They didn't produce any statistics about it at all. They just said, no, it doesn't happen here. We don't have that issue. On, um, so this charity were like, okay, well, we need to, we need to prove to them that it, it does happen. So they got backing from an American and a UK charity who provided them the funding to go and create statistics on domestic violence. 
Um, and so it was our job to go. We were given uh, areas of the city that we had to go to, and we just went door to door, um, asking people if A, they had experienced domestic violence, or B, they thought it was a problem here, or if they knew anyone that was, um, was, was dealing with it. And it was a really, really hard job to do, um, because one, you heard so many terrible stories, uh, or B, you would knock on someone's door, and a woman would answer it, and then the husband would kind of be lurking in the background, mm-hmm. and you would ask them, you'd, you know, just basic questions, and be like, hey, hi. you would explain who you are, what you're doing, we had ID, and stuff like that, and we said, have do you know, have you either experienced domestic violence or seen it um, or aware of it? And a number of times the woman would look back at their husband mm-hmm. and then just say, nope, and then shut the door. And that would be it. And you've walked away thinking, have I just made this situation yeah. worse? Mm-hmm. Has me answering, asking that question yeah. just made the situation worse? Yeah. Um, and then again, going back to the police thing, what you were saying, you would ask people, one of the questions was, um, if you saw domestic uh, abuse, who would you call? Mm-hmm. And it was like family, friends, the church, or the police. Majority of the time, it didn't say the police. They yeah. don't trust the police. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we would ask people why. We asked the organization why. And um, one of the lawyers was explaining that the police just don't get involved in these situations um, or they don't want to do the hard work. And so she explained one story of um, a woman who was, who was killed by her husband on CCTV. They have mm-hmm. the CCTV image of him wow. doing it. It's, it's not like he's not hiding his face. You can see everyone knew that's him. This is him killing his wife. Um, and the police said, oh, you know, we don't want to go get him. Um, so they said to the lawyers, if you go get him and bring him to us, then we'll persecute him. Or pros- prosecute him. Prosecute yeah. is the word. Yeah, um, both, yeah. and so yeah. it's like people just don't trust the police and so now mm-hmm. you've got lawyers for this human rights charity that are trying to track down a man who in cold blood in the middle of the street on CCTV just killed someone yeah. and now they're expected to go get him and take him to the police station yeah. so that he could be prosecuted and this is the problem and it? it's like there's problems on every level but I like I, I, and I, I like what I tell people is address one thing at a time mm. call the cops they don't show or whatever if they do show like we had an example. Um, there's a lady we know. I'm not going to even go further past that, just if anybody, you know, whatever. But um, we all know her. Um, they had a situation where her husband was being abusive. Uh, someone called the cops. The cops came and gave him a little chat and just made him promise to never do it again. Mm. That was the... Mm. They're just lazy, don't want to do paperwork. But what needs to happen... Like and this is, the, this is the problem with being a Christian. I say that with tongue in cheek that's not really you know but it's the problem with being a christian is it leaves you no time to really be overly consumed with yourself if you are genuinely sincerely like living out the gospel it leaves you no time to be consumed with yourself because okay what do we do in this <clears throat> okay barbara there's no one here named barbara i don't think so let's use that as a name barbara is being abused by jacob don't think we know anyone that name either so yes you don't I'm in the states but we're talking about oh. that <laughs> Um, sorry, Jacob. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Barbara's being abused by Jacob, random Jacob. Not anybody we know. Uh, (laughs) Not any Barbara we know either. Uh, But anyways, he's being abused. Okay, let's call the cops on Jacob. But the problem, there's another problem too. And it's what you're saying is as people of justice and righteousness, we can't Regardless of what it is, we can't just do one thing and walk away from the situation, whether that is praying 
I prayed and walk away or calling the cops and walk away and whatever. Now, I understand that if you're a woman, there's some different things, but this is a part of being a part of not, you can't, the importance of community and justice in community, righteousness in community and pursuing these things together as a community in Christ. Because now we say, we call the cops on Jacob. Cops come and give Jacob this stupid chat about never doing it again, whatever. Jacob sobers up. Jacob goes to work the next day. So we go to, what's that? It's a big truck or something. Um, so we go, and now we need to be able to, as the church, I want to be very careful about what I'm saying. Like, because I don't, I don't, it's not, I'm not trying to be critical, but I'm going to be critical because it's not my fault. Instead of building $200 million buildings, I'll just say a very exaggerated number, I think. I don't even know how much a building project costs. Billion dollars. Let's just say that to make it even more exaggerated so people don't feel like I'm attacking anyone specific, because I'm not. Instead of building billion-dollar sanctuaries and stuff, can we not create a fund or a home or something for people like Barbara to where we can say, no, Barbara, you need to get out of there. And she says, but I don't have a way to live. Oh, yes, you do. And not, it's not saying without, oh, with God, all things are possible. Yeah, with God through who? Who knows God? We do. So if the God in us makes a way, yes, through us, not always like that, but yes, through us, the provision of us planning ahead and being gospel-centered and justice-centered, righteousness-centered, you know, all these things that the gospel is, and loving her out of that situation and rescuing her from that situation, literally enabling her to be removed from the situation, kids and everything, coming out. And so now we can't, but equally having people, this is the point, this is the, uh, another reason why the church has to be diverse too, is we need people in the media, it don't have to be on TV, but working in this to be able to expose the police officers who don't do this type of stuff because they're enablers. Hmm. They're enabling this situation to happen. And so it seems like a lot when we talk about this. And when you sit and think about it, it seems like a lot for one person, but the idea is never that one person is the one getting involved in doing this stuff. This is the church's job. The church's job is not to be superheroes. That's not what I mean. But to confront injustices at their very root mm. and be problem solvers about it. Because if the whole, what is he going to do? You can come beat up the whole church? No, you're not. That's not what you're going to do. Tell you that. Because we're not about to just, we're going to lay hands on you, but it ain't, I mean, <laughs> it ain't going to be, like, this is not what you're going to do. You're not going to walk over into the neighborhood and beat all the men over here. That's just not going to happen. This is not, that, it isn't. And, you know, and so, but equally, that requires us to be completely sold out to the mission that we're called to and to, be, to completely trust in God for, and, and to love people so much, not that we don't care for ourselves, but that we, uh, there's, a, there's a phrase that I'm trying to think of. It's, a, it, it's not uh, selfless, it's thinking of selfless or something like that, whatever yeah. it's, you know. Thinking of yourself less. Yeah. yeah, and so that, and not putting yourself as the priority, is esteeming my neighbor higher than myself, right? And but the issue in the church is that, is that so many of us walk around still um, dealing with those things that happen to us. So we're still the victim in need of help, in need of rescue, and so we right. can't ever move out of that. But that's, the, of that's the issue, and that's the sermon I was talking about. Like, it, it, like we need, or that was listened to this morning, but like it's the point we need to grow up. Yeah. Like really analyze my own faith. Like how long am I going to sit in this place to where salvation is enough? Mm -hmm. I'm going to heaven. Like, like at what point, like at what point, ask yourself this question. Am I being transformed? Like, am I, because if I'm, oh, blah, 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 okay, am I perfect? <laughs> 
That's the first question. The answer universally is no, because everybody, every pastor all over the world, well, nobody's perfect. We all, you know, whatever. Okay, if you're not perfect, then you need to continuously be transformed. Until Jesus returns, you need to continuously be being transformed. Am I being transformed? And that's the real question that we have to ask ourselves. And again, I talk to some of the guys I talk to or whatever all the time. Self-awareness and self-discipline. Those two things go hand in hand. I would add uh, on top of um, being transformed is, is your mind being renewed. Yeah. Because transformation is from inside, you know, inside out, done, work done by the Holy renewing Spirit. Your and renewing your yeah. mind is something that you have to play a part in. You have to mm. do your part in, in those, those steps to renew your mind. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I would, that, yeah, I would, that's a good point. But I was in, mentally, I know it's better to say it. Oh, I was mentally bad. including all that. But I, yeah, it's better to be clear. Um, but yeah, like, and, and do I, is my thought process changing? Are my habits, my spiritual practices and disciplines, are they improving? Like, we all need to spend more time in prayer. Like, this is not, let's not act like, you know, but equally, like, so there's just these extremes of it. And we justify people that do work in the community, they equate that to a complete, like the book I'm reading, right? I'm reading a book and he, he focuses way on their work, but there's no, like, restoration in people, like spiritual restoration, so it's like, but that's who we are and what we're about. But we can focus on that and we can get we we can try to define our spiritual maturity based on what we do in the community. But there's other people that don't do anything in the community and they pray all day, which is great to pray all day. They're both great, but that does not equate to spiritual maturity either, because this is what Pharisees and stuff did. This is what Muslims do. It doesn't make it a bad act, but that alone is not enough. And so this is transformational thing of bringing you to a centered place to where I do justice, pursue righteousness, I pray, spend time with God, study my word, not just read my favorite verses every day, but study my word to walk with Jesus, to be able to be more informed, to be able to walk in the steps that he's laid out for me and be led by his Holy Spirit in everything that I do. And so that is a constant process. But then in, in that, we equally invite other people, local church. You, you're not going to grow as a believer without a local church. So you invite your local church with a solid local church. Let me say that. Can't just be anywhere. With people who, who you will trust and you can make the conscious decision to trust to get involved in your life, correct you on stuff, encourage you on stuff, build you up, all the one another commandments, you know, admonish one another, all this other stuff. Like to be able to do that. So now that I can grow, um, so I can grow. And that's exactly what you said is the problem. I'm not saying that there will be no problems in the world because some people are resistant. to A lot of people are resistant to that. But what I am saying is that abortions will be lower. I am saying domestic, well, femicide is, I don't know if that's a word in English, but in Spanish, it's, it's a word that they use for when a, a husband or boyfriend kills his wife or vice versa. Or, uh, no, femina is when the male kills the female. Anyways, um, this domestic violence, I don't know what it's called when the female kills them. Anyways, yeah, when the male kills the female, because that's usually the case, is the male is killing the female for some, it's like femicidio is the word in Spanish. I'm not saying it would disappear. I'm not saying that, but it would be lower. Mm -hmm. It would be low. And just in, just in Trinidad alone, if the church, we have enough churches in Trinidad, church buildings. We don't have enough churches. And that, that's a whole different, um, I'm not going to go on that tangent right now. But, <laughs> but equally, like there's a point where the church has to realize, like, oh, we are the church. Oh, abortion kills children. It absolutely does. And it is terrible. But I've been voting against abortion for 40 years. Huh. And it's not done anything but gone up. Matter of fact, when the people that I vote for take office, there's a spike in abortions. Even though they're anti... 
my point is, is it's not simple. My point is not to don't vote for or against or whatever. But that's not my point at all. But my point is this: like we have to wake up and realize that this is not enough. Mm-hmm. Is that we are the answer, not not just like what we choose to do on a voting box or what we choose to pray for. Yes, those are good things, and but those are not complete. But we've convinced ourselves that in our Christianity that if I go to church every Sunday or if I sing on the worship team with all my heart and take my shoes off or get on my knees every week, then that's enough. Or if I get in my prayer closet every day and I spend time, that's enough. Equally, or if I go out in the community and I'm just helping people and people have gotten rich and started businesses and they used to be poor, now they're rich and blah, blah, then that's enough. And it's not enough. Like Jesus is the only thing that's enough. And it's not just preaching Jesus or not just praying to Jesus or not just singing to Jesus or just serving Jesus in the midst of like, or in the, in the, in the form of meeting needs of others, but it's Jesus and everything. So yes, we sing worship songs. Yes, we pray. Yes, we love our neighbors and we love our wives and husbands and friends and enemies, even our enemies. We love them actively. No, we don't feel a certain way towards them. We, that's that's neg- like we don't. That doesn't even matter how you feel. No one asked you how you feel about your neighbor. We're asking, do you love your neighbor? And so we lo- we actively love our neighbors. We get involved in the community. We're not nosy. Uh, we're nosy with each other. We definitely are. If you're down or if I see you struggling with sin, I'm all in your business. That's my job. As a believer, and vice versa, like it is, it is our job as one one another's to do that for one another. But even when we see injustices and things like that happening outside of the community, it should move us to compassion to do something, and not just a short. Yes, in the short term, you got to confront whatever it is. We're not firemen. Yes, when there's a fire, we put them out and we try to. But equally, we what is it called? The fire marshal, the guy that comes and does stuff and tries to help prevent and changes the system so that there's no more chance of there's a less chance of there being a fire. That's who we're supposed to be. This is what like the gospel, holistic gospel uh, living should look like in our community. Again, not saying that there would be nothing, but like none, all these numbers are just spiking, spiking everywhere, spiking, murders going up, abortions going up, this going up, that going up, all these other things going up, up, up. And all we want to do is vote, sit back, have prayer meetings, worship nights and whatever, which are not in and of themselves bad things. But we cannot use God as an excuse to not be obedient to God. It's like when you like when you tell the girls to go clean their room and like, oh, mom, can I snuggle you? Nah, go clean your room. <laughs> that's a good example. But that's exactly what we do. It's like God is like, yo, I want you to do righteousness. I want you to represent mm. righteousness, pursue righteousness and justice in this nasty, fallen, terrible, dark community. I want you to be like... Jesus can't get any more clear. I want you to be a light in the darkness. (laughs) Like he says, if you have a light, if you have like a a lamp, why would you hide that lamp? No, you don't hide it. You let it light up so everyone in the house can see. Not so they can see you, so they can see everything. Everything around them is is lit up. Illuminated. Illuminated, that's the word. I was like, this doesn't make sense. Uh, It's illuminated so that everyone can see. And that's who supposedly we're called to be in the midst of this. But God has told us to do this. This is not a personal revelation or prophecy. I don't have that gift. This is what the Bible says from beginning to end. This is what the Bible is reflecting. And then we say, oh, but we just have worship night every, oh, we have worship this, worship that. We're, We're a church of worship. Then go worship in your community as well. Glory to God that you have worship nights. Glory to God that you take your shoes off in front of a holy God and whatever. whatever. If that's your way to worship, then I'm not criticizing that. So be it. But don't think that that excuses you from being obedient to what the overall picture of what he's demanded us to do. And that obedience is not like what is the, the Bible talks about fighting injustices from beginning to end. That's the issue. That's the problem. 
Injustice is the issue. The entire nation of Israel is enslaved time after time after time for either permitting, participating in, or even ignoring injustices. Mm -hmm. They are turned over to the hands of other people and like turned into slaves. Like because of, even just because of ignoring it. God speaks out to the prophets on multiple occasions. Like you are not only not doing just, you are ignoring injustices. So in Amos, he's right, talking through Amos and I don't want your songs. I don't want your little worship. I don't want your little celebration. Cancel Christmas this year. I don't want your little play. I don't want the little donkey and the live nativity scene and who had a baby this year? We're going to use a fake baby. I cut the tr Christmas tree. I don't want any of that if, if you are ignoring injustice in your community. Mm -hmm. And th that is a wake, is a thousands of years old wake up call for us. And what yet we continue on in our sin. This is a sin. This is a biblical sin. To ignore injustices that are happening is a sin. And you cannot sin in the name of Jesus. You cannot ignore things that happen because, oh, I was, we had service. Yes, again, church service is a great thing. It is a brilliant, and it is necessary. It's not optional, for the record. So I don't want people to take, and this is the problem, though, is when you say one thing, people automatically th no, think you mean the extreme of it. Yeah. And that's the issue, though, is everybody lives in this extreme, so they try to at, uh, attribute their, ext their extreme right or left to you when you say something that they disagree with, and that's not the case. It's not right or left, it's both, and neither at the same time. Like, it's not only worship or only Bible reading, but nor is it only service in the community and helping people, whatever that looks like. It is both. It is absolutely both. And it's, it's empty and it's incomplete if you're doing one thing without the other. And so it goes back to what you were saying of becoming an example and becoming a solid rock, not a perfect rock, but a solid rock who people are, are building their house on the rock, building their house on who God is. And like, uh, what is the word? Uh, uh, rooted in Christ. I mean, we can use a different example, but rooted in Christ. We are rooted firmly in him. Like we're a tree planted by the water. Like we're not going to be moved. The roots are going to be deep and holding on tight and whatever. So we're not moved. Now at that point, now we can provide shade and fruit and all these other things to other people who are in need. But it's exactly what you said is until we're willing to confront our own traumas, our own shortcomings, our own issues, and willing to confess our sins one to another, seek prayer, seek righteousness, and even repent of some things that we've done. And maybe we didn't do it, but our feelings and our reaction to what was done to us has caused bitterness in our own self. And now we need to repent of something that has caused a 20, 30, 40 year, five year, two month trauma inside of us. And that feels weird because it feels like victim blaming, but we're not victim blaming. We want you to walk in, right, in righteousness so that we can pursue justice in God's way and not just the way, and that's the issue is you have all these secular, uh, uh, secular organizations and stuff, which are great, but they're pursuing, they're pursuing justice with, with, uh, without righteousness. And so it looks good, but the end goal comes up way, way short of what yeah. we're called to do. But it, it comes, it, it, the church has to repent. We as believers, we have to repent. And not one time <laughs> to live a lifestyle of repentance. Walk in that repentance with talking to one another, loving, what, you know, so on and so forth. We have to walk in that with one another. And until we see that you're absolutely right, like we can talk about all this stuff and solving, being these issues, solvers and whatever, but it depends on a healthy church. And this is, this is not, that's not a lot of weight. This is, a, it's an honor. This is what God has entrusted us with. And if we ask ourselves and we say, we can't find time to do that, well, how does that work? Well, then maybe you're focused on the wrong thing. Maybe your good job that you thought was a blessing from God is, is maybe it's a curse. If it does not allow you time to focus on the gospel, to do things that Jesus literally commanded us to do, maybe it's not, I mean, prosperity can be a trauma. 
Like it, it pulls you away. It, it can, not always, but it can pull you away from your purpose and leave you in this weird, weird, blessed wilderness where you feel like everything is good because financially, economically, you're in the best state of your life. Maybe you've had to worry about paying bills your entire life and you grew up poor and eating uh, mayonnaise sandwiches or, <laughs> or whatever, but now you go to a place to now you can have steak at any point you want and that feels like a blessing from God and it is a blessing from God, but equally, that's not the end. The blessing, that type of blessing is not the end. And if that... Takes, oh, takes away your ability and your time or, or whatever to be able to pursue justice and righteousness on every, uh, every level of society, then it's an idol. And Jesus doesn't give idols. And so, yeah, well, I mean, you touched on something I was trying to avoid, which I went on this like 20 minute rant. It's like, this is all based on a healthy church with healthy believers. And it's not a magical thing that just happens from the pulpit and now everybody's healthy it's a everybody who considers themselves a believer has to has to commit to jesus like this is not this is not new like it's not like like oh wow it's not revolutionary. Like, revolutionary. like yeah if, if somebody's uh, listening they'd be like oh what's he gonna say here like commit to jesus like yeah. oh i committed to jesus mm, you got saved but you have to continuously commit to Jesus because your flesh is at your flesh is at work on a consistent basis. So every day when you wake up, there's a reason his mercies are new every day, every morning. It's because it's a daily battle against what there's a reason you have to die to yourself daily. It's because it's a daily battle against who you think you are, who you feel like you should be and, and who God is calling you to be. And so you have to die to that every day, die to your own desires, die to your own whatever and be renewed. Yes, the renewing of your mind, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that's why I said transform, and I mean, because, anyways, yeah. So be transformed by the renewing your mind, which happens through the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. And so it's just, it's, it's just, it's like we own fifty cars and we're walking to work every day, and we complain about walking to work every day. Like, do you have a car? We complain about all these issues in society. We complain about all these people, and we have the answers inside of us like we have the answers god has placed them inside of us doesn't make us all powerful but he sent he mandated us and sent us to be the answer to the problems of society now at this point if people don't receive you shake the dust off your feet i almost said dust off your shoulders this it's just your feet isn't it there's a rap song that says dust yeah. off your shoulders and you see what happens uh, mixing culture but say yeah <laughs> but shake the dust off your feet and move on but equally like that's on them at that point but like, yes, let people hear the gospel. Let people see the hope that you live in and let them experience what, what does living for Jesus really look like? And what is that? How does that inform your life as a believer? But equally, how does it affect the people that are connected to you, yeah. even if they're not believers? How does Je Jesus is fighting for you before you even think about giving your life to him? So how do we show that Jesus is fighting for them, people who are suffering, abused women, abused children, so on and so forth? How do we show that Jesus is fighting for them? If the Jesus is, if Jesus lives inside of us, quote unquote, how do we, how's our, how do, how are our actions showing that he's fighting for them? You know, if we're silent on everything and we hide from everything and we're terrified and we're not organized, we're not even trying to pursue, everyone's not going to have the money to do it, but at least make an effort. I would, at, I would much rather have, like we have a goal that seems impossible. One day we went, talking about this topic, one day we want to build a shelter for abused women to be, for this very reason that we're talking about to be able to be removed from their, their situation. And we, if they don't want to leave, that's, that's a different thing. That's a conversation to have with them. But at least we can't say you need to leave and they can't say, I don't have anywhere to go. 
Like we, we want to be able to have somewhere to take it. It seems like a thing that we may never accomplish. But I would rather die trying accomplish that than just sitting here and saying, well, we can't do it. Yeah. We don't have any money, which we don't. But equally, like, okay, but like this is something I would, I would be much more satisfied to die trying to do something about the situation, even if it takes me, you know, 60 years and I still don't accomplish it. At least I was trying. At least I was trying, you know. You, um, you touched on something earlier about a diverse church and the importance of having a, a diverse church. And I know that, like, just a very basic example of how having different people in your church can is a healthy church is it's just that we have dentists at our church. If there's ever a dental emergency, people in our church are not suffering and staying up at night because their tooth they have tooth pain because no, someone so. in our church addresses those issues for them. And I think it's it's the same thing with like um even if they don't have money, like it wouldn't be an issue. Yeah, yeah, it's not an issue. Somebody's going to cover it, you know. Um um also like just realizing the needs of people like you re you want to quickly swiftly respond swiftly or quickly respond yeah. to um the urgent need of a, an abused child or, or abused woman when she's your church member because mm. it's so close you are seeing the need you're feeling a need right and and i think on a large scale what we're seeing now for lack of a diverse church is the um uh, critical race theory arguments um, because churches are not diverse. You don't see how your thinking and how your actions are are affecting the African American community, and so you just don't address it at all. You don't think it's a sin. You don't you don't you don't do anything to try to uh, seek justice in areas where injustices are being made. And um, I don't know. I, I know that if you walk into your church and everyone looks like you, this is something wrong. There is something wrong. You're not. You're basically just serving yourself and people like you. That's not that's not what Jesus did, you know. And I think about um, what was the profession of the of the Good Samaritan? Do you know? Did it mention it? I don't think so. But he was on he was on a path going somewhere. So if he had done everything everybody else in his community did, he wouldn't have been on a different journey than what everyone else have been on, not ha having not crossed the man that needed help, you know. And it's just like we we can't all be doing the same thing, thinking the same thing, because then we'll always only address the one thing that's important to us. I mean, we're called to lead, and that's why we're doing that series in church. We're called to lead. We're not, but we we love following, boy. We love following. And used to, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I used to think like, why does Israel want a king? Because they would give us a king, give us a king, give us a king. You have God leading you. Mm -hmm. But now, like, see it, like, because we're the same way. It's like God is always and always will want to lead His people. But people, we continuously beg for a king. And that's what we see it in politics now. We're begging for a king. Mm. God is like, yo, I, I want to lead you. Because he, it says in the Old Testament, like, this, if, okay, you want a king? Then he will do this. He will abuse you. He will poorly represent you. He will damage your daughters and daughters. It says all these other things like that he's going to do. And it's like, that doesn't change. It's not, because he didn't, I don't even know. I know God knew, but like, it wasn't even talking about a specific king. He was just talking about kings and period. But when you put, the, when you put, a person, an individual, a human, a faulty human as your king, then these are the results, period. Doesn't matter. It, it, there's no, it, it, this is what it is. And so he's warning them and telling them, but equally like that's, it, that was not written to us or about us, but it equally is applicable to us as we are scrambling and looking for a king and we have one. Mm -hmm. it's, it, and so at that point, it's treasonous. 
if you belong, <laughs> if Simon is the president of Red Roots Landia, and we say, and he's, <laughs> that's all I can think about. I'm in the office, I can think. If Simon's the president of Trinidad. Say Trinidad is, well, Trinidad is a country, but this is a different, <laughs> these are terrible examples. Let's say Simon's the president of Bolivia, right? And we start saying, we want a president. We want a president. We want a president. We want a president. What does it say about him? We're not satisfied with him. He's not good enough. We don't even consider him as a president. So when God is our leader on any, you can use any words you want to use, leader, king, president, whatever. When we are begging, it doesn't matter how good or bad the person, that's neither here or there. That, I mean, that, that's, it, it is here or there, but that's a different conversation. When we are begging for a Christian leader, what does that say about the way that we see God? We're saying that he's insufficient. Whether we are consciously saying that or not, we are, we are saying that he's insufficient. When we lose our minds because our king is not crowned, who's re, who, regardless of who's crowned, that person is our king already. It's king of our hearts. And so now we have an... This is the thing. When we say idol, people think that you mean like evil. Like good things can be an idol. Like church can be an idol. Like, family can be an idol. These are great th things that God can be glorified through, but if the, through the misuse and abuse of them, they can become an idol. Presidential candidates can be, obviously, can be idols. Or what do you guys have? Uh, prime ministers. Yeah, prime ministers or queens or, I was going to say supreme leaders, but you don't <laughs> live in North Korea. Um, but yeah, these things can be idols. All of these things can be idols. And we need to be very careful and really check our allegiances. We can pledge allegiance to the flag and, hey, I get it, all that stuff. But we really need to check in our hearts what is the, what is the central, what is our allegiance that trumps all allegiances? See what I did there on accident? Uh, but, like, what, <laughs> it was an accident, I promise. But what is the, <laughs> I promise. What is our allegiance that, that, that goes above all else? And, like, what, like according, uh, 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 what is it? compared to our love of Jesus, we, it should look like we hate everyone else doesn't mean that we need to throw rocks or bust in the Capitol or go to Minneapolis and burn stuff. It doesn't, that's not what it means. But compared to our love and our faith and our hope that we have in Jesus, it should look like hate for everyone else. So to be completely honest, when, when my friends in private, when we have these conversations, and I feel like I, what I'm saying is representing the kingdom of God, and they come, it comes across to them as hate for a particular candidate, I feel proud. I feel proud. I'm like, thank you, God, that they don't see my allegiance to any individual, mm -hmm. but that, that this is a offensive to a person who their allegiance is to any individual, again, any individual. This is not, I'm not a respecter of parties or in any country or on any level. But when I say something that is pro-Jesus or pro-God, or even sometimes just quoting things that Jesus said, people take that as anti that person and glory to be to God. Because if that person's beliefs don't line up with what God does, I can support them in areas, but I cannot pledge my allegiance to them, you know. And like, it, it, it all just goes so deep. It all goes so deep down to, uh, we just need a wake-up call. We need to really check and uh, not investigate. I mean, if that's what it, research, search our own hearts. But, I mean, we have the Holy Spirit. Like, like search our hearts. He don't got to look far. <laughs> like, search our hearts and reveal to us. Like, but... Uh, the problem isn't that he's not doing that. The problem is we're not listening. We don't want to hear that because we love the current state that we're in. We love being like this cute, 
comfortable Christians who don't have to address or get involved in other people's issues. We don't like getting dirty and nasty and like, you know, we don't, we, we like being comfortable in our white suits. White suits and mud don't mix. If you, if you have a white suit, you weren't planning to get dirty. You don't put it that, you know what I mean? And so when we just kind of dress ourselves or approach life as if we are dressed in a white suit, then we're living in sin really at that point already because we're, we don't even have a plan to get involved in the nastiness and the darkness of this world and shine light in those things, you know? I don't know. Anyways. Yeah, we, um, we, pay, we pray for revival so that everybody else can get on board when we're the ones that need to yeah, need to wake up. I mean, cut it out. Cut, like, seriously, if you're listening to this and you're praying, cut it out. You are a revival. Like, the work that Jesus did inside of you, the, the empowering th- that the Holy Spirit does inside of you, you don't, you don't, what are you praying for? Be obedient. You're praying for more and you ain't did what you already were told to do. If we lived as we were supposed to live, revival is not a conversation. Things will be revived. Again, not 100% of every person because some people are just going to be, you know, deny it. But we would see what we consider revival. We would see that already if we were obedient. But we refuse to be obedient, but we still want all the benefits and we, want, we really want the credit. Right. We want to be in the midst of this church every day. We want to sit up and stretch our necks out, look around and smile and be proud. But like God is like, yo, I'll put this in your hands. You know, I read a book a while back and the guy was talking about how we um, God makes trees and he doesn't make God doesn't make chair. He doesn't make tables and, and couches and things like that. God makes trees. We make chair, chairs and whatever. So God provides what you need, but like he, he gives you everything that you need. But it's in your hand to steward it. Belongs to God, provided by God for God's glory, but it, you need to steward it in that way. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times we sit back and we are just waiting for, praying for, fasting for God to do something that he's already asked us to do. You know, again, it's like if you say, Jalen, clean your room. And she says, okay, and literally t- walks in a circle and comes back and says, Mom, can you clean my room? Like, no, I just told you to do this. Why would you ask me to do something I told Like, God has told us specifically to do things, and here we are 20 years in. We really convince ourselves that we're waiting on God, that God is withholding himself from us. When he sent his only son to die on the cross, like, how, how ridiculous can we be to think that he's withholding himself? From- so if we want, quote, unquote, more of God, it's not that he's withholding himself. How dare we think we're above of God to where we're ready for more, but he's just withholding himself more. No, it's that we haven't, we haven't dug in. We have not committed to him on every level to access everything that he's already given us. His, God is enough. He, like it's, he's Emmanuel. He's God with us. What, what do you want? What do you want? What are you asking for? Like your Holy Spirit is inside of you to empower you to love one another, to walk in peace, to walk, you know, to have hope and all these other things and to, to love even your enemy. To love those who persecute you. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you to empower you to do that. And somehow we're asking for more. What else do you want? Be specific then. Because I think if we're specific, then it doesn't make sense. But I don't know. We need to wake up. We need to wake up. Or no. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> or no, I was going to say, or we can go to sleep. Wait, I mean, a lot whatever. of times we read the stories in the Bible, right? And we think, how ridiculous was it that the Israelites wandered in, you know, for 40 years? Like, 
God provided a way for them out of slavery and gave them a leader to, to lead them into, you know, this abundant life and freedom. Uh, and they just, you know, they got to a point where they had to depend on God for food every day because they, he gave them everything they literally needed and they just still kind of just died there, you know. Yeah, the well, I mean, part. and that's the thing is it does seem ridiculous when we hear the story of 40 years wandering around. Was it a 40-day trip? Something like that? I figured you would know that. No? Something like, it was a short trip, shorter than 40 years. We'll say that it wasn't a long trip, and um, but they're in there for 40 years. It seems ridiculous, but the church has been wandering around the wilderness, living and dying in the wilderness for generations mm. for a thousand years, two thousand years. I mean, a thousand ish years because it was good, and then we got off the American church. We'll say the Western church. We've been one since its inception almost, we've been wandering around the wilderness, yeah. and so it's like, you know, what are we doing? It's at what point. At what generation, at what group of people, what individual is going to say, even if I have to go by myself, like I'm going to go into, not only the promised land, but I'm going to go to where God has called us to go. I'm going to be who God has called me to be. Yeah. I'm going to, if I have to go at it alone, I will cause revival within the church. See, we want revival in the world, but we, ain't, we need a revival in the church. The church is dead. So how is something dead going to cause something else out to live? That's not the way it works. Something living needs to cause something else living. And so for us, like, we need to wake up first. And we get up out of the bed and we need revival in the church before we have revival out the church. Like, and that's a complete thing. It's not just reading your Bible. Like we said in the beginning, it's not just reading your Bible and praying every day. That's, those are great steps and very necessary, not optional. But equal, those are not options. Those are things that you, have, you must do as a believer. And it brings you closer to God. But equally acting upon what his word says, being obedient. Like who's going to commit? We commit to worship nights. We commit to daily prayer. We commit to 21 days of fasting. All admirable. But who's going to commit to being a light in the darkness? Not just by singing. Who's going to commit to their neighbor? Who's going to commit to their enemy? Who's going like, to do this? Who's going to commit to fighting injustice? But commit to righteousness at the same time. Like, who's going to do that? No one's going to. I mean, we, we, we haven't done it. So the time is now for us, you know. I think it's really cool. I, I, I've been part of churches where, like, um, the whole church kind of all look like musicians. They're like, man, that's a musician's church, you know. Or I've been part of churches where the whole church looks just super trendy. They dress really, you know trendy and very fashionable and it's because somebody is leading them towards in that direction it's not because god has anointed this church to be trendy god's anointed this church for worship it's because somebody was that example you know and, mm. and it's really really neat we're all supposed to be that example that light to you know that beacon in 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 our churches and in our communities but to know that you know us as leaders we can choose to be that example in our church and knowing scientifically you know it's going to it's going to be contagious it's going to spread yeah yeah that's cool yeah so yeah i think that's it simon said a lot today you got any add something on just for the end come on simon you got it just amen (laughs) (laughs) i've never heard him say that word (laughs) i would have assumed you would say like amen i don't know why Your accent, your, your words start to change when you've been around people as well. Americans. By but people, yeah. he means Americans. You would typically say amen? Amen, yeah. Oh, okay, see, oh, yeah. Look, I'm more British than you. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. Amen. Okay, we're going to stay away from that for now. But yeah, so anyways, I think that's all we got for today. You yep. good? Yeah, yeah. Good talk. I talk most of the time, but it doesn't take much to get me going. I told you guys, man, in the beginning, like, 
But yeah, um, no, we hope you. We, we, we do. Is my voice cracking? Yeah, it did crack. Am it's I the 14? weather. No. <laughs> <laughs> Second puberty. Uh, <laughs> no, we really appreciate you listening. We hope that these uh, these chats are beneficial to you, as they are to us. Um, but really, we uh, we like doing this because a lot of times we like to and we wanted to be able to invite you in on the conversation that we have. But equally, to kind of. Uh, kind of see where our mind is at and the way that we view uh, missions and the way you view ministry and stuff like that. And um, I don't know, just to be able to connect with us on that level instead of like just seeing what we do in videos or on Instagram or pictures and stuff like that. But um, to be able to kind of like hear our hearts on these things. So we hope you enjoy these chats and we hope that they're beneficial to you and um, equally challenging at times too, hopefully. I mean, that's the hope. We want to grow, right? So Yeah, they always challenge and encourage me, you know, just sitting down with you guys. Even at lunch, I get really just pumped up yeah like yeah let's do this <laughs> jesus 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 christ oh gosh <laughs> who did i marry <laughs> yeah, that's still meeting for lunch <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah never again never again are we meeting for lunch <laughs> no nah, thank you for listening we uh we really appreciate you guys love and support um yeah until next week provecho